Another day, another delay. FMCSA ices the entry-level driver training rule. Welcome to the HTT Talks Trucking Podcast, episode number six. I'm your host, Jim Park. The new entry-level driver training rule was originally introduced as part of the MAP-21 Transportation Reauthorization Bill. That bill was signed into law by President Obama in 2012, and the entry-level training rule was supposed to come into effect February 7, 2020. However, the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration announced late in January that full implementation would be delayed by two years. FMCSA said the delay was to give the agency additional time to complete the development of the training provider registry. On this episode of HTT Talks Trucking, we have three people with a stake in the ELDT program, and they aren't happy that it's been pushed back by two years. A little later in the podcast, we'll be speaking with Laura McMillan. She's an expert in developing training programs who was in on the original formulation of the rule. We'll also be speaking with Tim Cordula, a driving school instructor and administrator from Wisconsin, on what the delay means to his business. But first, Don Lefebvre, the president and CEO of the Commercial Vehicle Training Association. He says the delay will allow the license mills more time to crank out underqualified drivers. He says that's a big step backwards. All that's coming your way right after this. HTT Talks Trucking is sponsored by Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange. HTTX is a unique networking event for fleets and suppliers that opens doors to long and beneficial business relationships. Join us May 6th, 7th, and 8th in Scottsdale, Arizona for HTTX 2020. Don Lefebvre is the president and CEO of the Commercial Vehicle Training Association. That group has about 200 members located in 43 states, and combined they graduate about 50,000 fresh new truck drivers every year. And Don's with us this morning to talk about the entry-level driver training rule delay announced uh, in late January by FMCSA. Good morning, Don. How are you? Good morning, Jim. Let's start off the discussion talking a little bit about the uh, the entry-level uh, driver training regulation. What's it supposed to do, how long it's been in, in process, and uh, where are we with it today? Great question. So the entry-level driver training rule, it, it sets forth a curriculum, uh, both a theory and behind-the-wheel curriculum that will have to be adhered to by any training provider. Now, that training provider could be a school, could be a trucking company, um, it could be an uncle teaching, you know, his nephew or niece. So anybody that's providing training when it's in effect will have to ensure that uh, the individual has uh, passed the, uh, the curriculum to a proficiency standard. So it's, it's, a, it's meant to really improve the skills of entry-level drivers. Um, the final rule was published in December of 2016 and was supposed to be implemented in uh, uh, February 7, 2020. But in late January, uh, the department, uh, due to uh, IT issues, decided to delay the regulation for uh, uh, for two additional years. Okay, from from the student's perspective then, uh, how does this rule change the training process? Does it make it longer, shorter, more expensive, more comprehensive? I guess it depends on the training provider. M- most of our schools are uh, already teaching 95% of this. There may be a few subjects you need to add on the theory, 
but from the behind the, the wheel standpoint, um, you know, we're, we're teaching the, the necessary uh, maneuvers that, that need to be taught under ELDT. Whether it will add cost, um, it, it may add some cost, but again, I, w- I think folks like CVTA would argue those that aren't properly teaching, um, you know, need to, to either raise their program or frankly get out of the training industry because they're not training uh, to the right standards. What impact is this delay going to have on the schools themselves? It, 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 the, the, the regulatory framework for commercial driving schools varies considerably. Um, there's a number of states that, that do a very good job. There are some that, uh, frankly, do not do a good job. Um, and what, what entry-level driver training will do is to really create a more uniform base-level standard. The delay really allows those substandard programs to continue in, in those states that, that really don't, um, you know, have good regulatory practices. And, I, you know, the clearest or, or starkest example of this is uh, the state of California. Uh, the state of California, while it, while it does regulate private schools and community colleges, uh, they provide an exemption for any program that costs under twenty five hundred bucks. So, while the uh, exemption, you know, were meant for short term courses, you know, uh, learning a Microsoft suite or something like that, yep. they didn't want to regulate those programs. But in the course of doing that, they also didn't uh, separate truck driving programs. So, what you find are a lot. Uh, CDL mills that are charging, you know, get your CDL for eight ninety nine, and they're not teaching you really what you need to know uh, to be a successful driver and to be a safe driver. What do you think is going to happen now that this delay has been put into place and they've they've held off for another two years? What uh, what do you see happening in that two year period? Yeah, so I, I think for, from CBTA standpoint, obviously we would like to see it implemented sooner uh, than two years. Um, because, you know, we believe in safety through training. Uh, so we, we will be trying to do everything within uh, our efforts to ensure that it does get um, implemented prior to that two years. So the silver lining is that institutions or training providers have more time to understand the rule and begin uh, implementing it and assessing what they will need to do to change their program to you know, assuming it needs changing, uh, to comply with with this uh, regulation. From a, a competitive standpoint, if you've got two schools, you know, on the opposite sides of town, uh, one is one of these license mills. One of them is a up and up, good professional driving school. Is this rule going to benefit the schools who are doing things properly and make it harder for the ones who are trying to cut corners? Is it going to put those other schools out of business, or will they just simply have to? up their game to meet these new standards? Well, that's a, that's a choice for that individual, uh, you know, who's running the school. Um, so I would say that they just, they would have to up their standards to ensure that they're, you know, compliant. Um, but if you're running, you're running the school, uh, you know, and you were charging, yeah, I don't know, 500 bucks, 800 bucks, uh, and now it's going to cost, you know, anywhere between, let's say, 3000 4000 uh, to run that, sa- that same program. 
whether the cost puts them quote unquote out of business or they just have a new business model, um, you know, that remains to be seen. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would argue that's, you know, the safety benefit for ensuring that they're upping their standard is, is really outweighs the, their ability to, to continue to deliver substandard training. Don LaFave, thanks very much. I appreciate your input on that. Thanks, Jim. We've been talking with Don LaFave. He's the president and CEO of the Commercial Vehicle Training Association. To find out what this delay would mean to the driving schools themselves, I called a fellow who works on the front lines of the training business, Tim Cordula. We'll talk with Tim right after this. Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange is put on by Heavy Duty Trucking Magazine and our host sponsors. Our editors tapped into decades of experience with trucking fleets to develop this truly worthwhile event. If you qualify, we'll bring you and a few dozen other fleet managers to a Scottsdale, Arizona resort for a jam-packed session of networking, education, and fun. It all happens in a friendly, intimate environment where you can develop lasting relationships and pick up ideas that can make your business more successful. Go to heavydutytruckingexchange.com to learn more and to apply for your spot at HDTX 2020. We're joined now by Tim Cordula. He's a CDL instructor and administrator at Carl's Transport Commercial Driver CDL Training School in Antigo, Wisconsin. He's been preparing for this uh, EDLT entry-level driver training rule for some time now, and he's not very happy, the fact that they uh, pulled the plug on it just a couple of days before implementation. Tim, how are you this morning? I'm doing great, Jim. How are you? I'm great, sir. What kind of time and effort have you put into this plan, only to have it pulled out from under you at the last minute? Well, we actually started this whole process back in 2017. Uh, we had a, a little bit of a shortage here at Carl's Transport. And uh, the owners came to a couple of us and said, hey, what about training our own people? And I said, well, let's do it, but let's do it right, knowing that the ELDT was supposed to be coming out in February of this year. So we researched it. Uh, we got in with a couple different organizations, J.J. Keller, Delmar, uh education and came up with a curriculum that pretty well matched what the ELDT was requiring. Uh, we didn't want to go in it, you know, shorthanded. We wanted to go in with all the information. So when the rule finally came about, we were able to do it. So we've been actually teaching uh, most of the ELDT since uh, 2018. Okay. Is it with the impact or what impact will this delay have on your school? And you've already got the curriculum in place. You're, you're teaching basically what's required of you by the rule. Uh, how's that going to change anything from the day-to-day -day operations over there? Truthfully, we're not going to change anything. We're going to operate the school as if we were under the ELDT, the entry-level driver training. It's February 7th, 2020. We're not going to change the curriculum. We're not going to change the amount of time invested. Uh, we're going to continue to work with, uh, we're members of the CVTA, Commercial Vehicle Training Association, uh, which they've been awesome. Uh, and we're going to continue just to keep moving forward. In fact, we're going to voluntarily report uh, just as if we were going to uh, for the rule to them uh, and get their advice and their help on, on reporting. So honestly, we're not going to change anything. Um, we're just we're just not happy because I, I'm thinking that there's probably other uh, entities and in places that are are going to change things. You know, they're going to possibly go back to, uh, you know, let's get them in and out. And that's the whole idea behind ELDT is to, you know, make this training uh, 
the same for everybody and provide a good quality driver. Tell me a little bit about your, your program, the curriculum. How much classroom time do the students get? What sort of range time, uh, on-road time? I know this, this new uh, entry-level driver training program is not time-based. There's no time constraints. It's all uh, proficiency. But just give me some sense of uh, what it takes someone to get in and out of your school successfully. We do, we do an eight-week program. Uh, and that's whether it's a paid student or a Carl student. And what we do is we actually start out the first week with a learner's permit program. So we go through the Wisconsin CDL commercial driver's manual with them. Um, we go through each chapter that they need to identify to get their uh, commercial license permit. Um, once that's done, they off to the DMV. Then the following week is when we actually start with the curriculum. Uh, the first week we get them right into the truck. Uh, we, cause most of them, a lot of them have never seen the inside. So we want to get them familiar with it right away. Uh, so the first week is spent pre-tripping, uh, learning how to shift and the general maneuverability of the truck. Then we dive into a lot of the classroom work. So we basically divide it into three sections. Um, we're about a hundred hours of range work, about a hundred hours of classroom and about a hundred hours of, uh, actual on the road. Um, you know, and that it's give or take, it depends on the, the progress of the student. You, you said a hundred hours, 100 hours, one zero zero. We're, we're, we're a 300 hour program. Yeah. Wow. We're okay. a 300. Yeah. And we're not going to change that. Um, because we're finding that and we, what we do is we pull the students at the three week mark. We'll ask them, Hey, what do you think? You ready to go take your test? And the answer is a, a unanimous. No, we're not. No, 300 hours. Uh, is a far cry from 30 hours. Um, yes, it is. Um, th- that's a number um, that I've heard tossed around uh, as a, you know, an average minimum uh, to get a student through. That, that's 30 hours of driving, by the way, not, not classroom time and everything else included. But uh, how, how do they even compete with a program like yours? I mean, at the end of the day, you're, you're trying to produce two things. Uh, one, someone who is uh, competent to take the CDL test. That's obviously a component of the training. The other yes. part is a, a safe and competent driver, uh, proficient exactly. in the skill. So you could probably teach someone how to steer and gear a truck well enough to pass the test in 30 hours, but that yep. doesn't say much for, you know, what kind of a driver you're going to have on your hands when they're finished a, a 30 hour program. Couldn't, I couldn't have said it better myself. Here's, here's what we tell our students right off the bat. Um, because I'm also a DOT third-party examiner. So I actually, and I we don't test our own students. Um, we send our students elsewhere to get tested. But I do have a, a, a fair number that come in. And I've had some come in from other schools that are significantly shorter than ours. And I can tell. We do not train our people to pass the test. Any school can do that. And you can do it in three weeks. Okay. But that's not what we're all about. You know, the FMCSA just came out with, a new study they're going to put out, a large truck crash causation study. I read that article and nowhere in that article was mentioned training. But yet 67% of some of these crashes are caused by drivers driving too fast for conditions. You know what? One of the first things that happens when these guys get into the truck, they think it's their sports car and they can drive it like that. Mm -hmm. Well, without training, without the proper training and getting used to that and driving these things for more than 25 or 30 hours. Cause I still see it after nine weeks of training, I still see it where they're going a little too fast and we got to slow them down. So 
No, I mean, I, I totally, and that's where the ELDT needs to be done now because, you know, it doesn't make sense to put this large truck crash study out there when I can answer it and the CVTA can answer it and a lot of these other schools can answer it and say, you know what, here's why your large trucks are crashing, lack of training, period. Okay, now are there other circumstances? Absolutely. There's weather, there's other motorists, we understand that. But when you look at some of the statistics, such as driving too fast for conditions, improper lane change, following too close, that's all training. That is all training. Look at this now for a second, or, or take me through this from the student's perspective, a prospective applicant. They <clears throat> want to become a CDL driver. They look at Carl's and they say, okay, uh, that's going to be two months. And they look down the street to Bob's driving school and it's going to be a weekend or whatever. <laughs> What does your program cost the student compared to uh, one of those fly-by-night schools that they could uh, opt to if they wanted to? If if it's a paying student, uh, it's twenty seven fifty, um, and that includes the the final skills test. Okay, That's it not does much. not include. That's no, not it's not. Uh, we try to we want to be competitive with the tech schools. You know, we've looked at there's two area tech schools that both offer truck driving programs, uh, real almost identical to ours. Um, and we look at the price and for 2750, they can go through exactly the same training as what the Carl's employees are going through. Getting back to the, uh, the delay in the ELDT just for, just for a second, what difference does it make to you if they delay this or not? Sounds like, sounds to me like you're already with the program. We, we are. And and like I said, I, you know, we're not, we're not going to change anything. Uh, we're going to report to the CBTA, uh, and get their advice and help on, on how things go. But Jim, I don't, this, this is a dream of mine. Okay. I've been doing this for about 25 years, not teaching, but in the industry. And my ultimate goal is to do exactly what I'm doing. My passion is to produce a safe and quality driver. And when I see these, you know, uh, two and three week schools, in fact, I, I road tested a guy when I was in the safety department that took the 895 weekend four day special in another state and wanted to know if we'd hire him. And my answer to that, especially after road testing was an absolute no way. There's no, I wouldn't apply anywhere to be honest with you with the training that you didn't get. Um, so my passion is safety. My passion is education, and that's Carl's core value also, okay? This isn't just all about me. This is about the company. And when I see this and when I see, you know, uh, truck crash studies that are coming out and the word training is not even involved, it, it really, it just gets under my skin. So to answer your question, yeah, where we're at, is it going to make a difference with Carl's? No, it's not. But I'm not just in this for Carl's. I'm in this for the industry, and that's where, that's the direction we need to go. And do you think in the interim, this this two years, that you're going to see the substandard training at other locations continue? Uh, I think what was going to happen is when the ELDT went into place, it was going to either shut them down or it was going to force them to teach. You know, now that the good schools, you know, the tech schools around here, they're not going to change. I'm hoping some of the companies that are doing in-house training aren't going to change. But I do see... Uh, maybe not so much in my area, but I know of other schools, you know, within this country that are going to take and run with this. That's like, hey, I got two more years that I can keep my enrollment at, you know, 2000 students a year. Whereas if they would have gone with the ELDT, it's going to create a longer day, a longer curriculum, a longer, you know, uh, term for tuition. Their enrollment's not going to be there. We're not in this for the money. 
Okay. We're, we're in this to produce a quality driver for Carl's and we're in this to produce a quality driver for the industry. And unfortunately, I think as we all know out there, there are places out there that it's just the money. It's just the money. We're going to roll them in. We're going to roll them out, roll them in, roll them out. Yeah. It's a business at the end of the day. Um, you know, fundamentally from a safety point of view, I have a problem with that. Uh, but the same token, you know, we all shop on Amazon because that's where the prices are the cheapest, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Tim, I yeah, sure I'm, appreciate I'm, your input on this. Oh, no problem. I, uh, my pleasure. That was Tim Cordula. He's a CDL instructor and administrator at Carl's Transport Commercial Driver CDL Training School. And he was talking to us today from Antigo, Wisconsin. Lauren McMillan is Vice President of Training Program Development at Instructional Technologies Incorporated. That's a provider of advanced uh, safety training solutions for the transportation industry. She served on the Curriculum Certification Committee of the Professional Truck Driver Institute and was the only training company representative serving on the Curriculum Subcommittee as part of FMCSA's proposed rule for entry-level driver training. She currently serves on the Board of Governors of the Private National Truck Council, and she holds a commercial driver's license. Laura, welcome to HDT Talks Trucking. Hey, John. How's it going? That's great. Why do you suppose it is uh, that amongst almost any other safety-sensitive occupation or profession you can think of, truck driving stands alone in having no no entry-level standards to which their employees have to be trained? I can't make sense of it. I I came from the move money industry, the banking and finance industry, which was highly regulated, Uh, completely different audience, but nonetheless, I worked to uh, prepare professionals to to operate in a highly regulated environment. Drivers, if they have a CDL, they're professionals. They drive for a living. And so no less than the environment they worked in, they work in a professional environment that's governed by numerous regulations. What uh, what has been tr- challenging for me coming from a different, a totally different industry, but nonetheless regulatory driven, is that the transportation logistics industry has been willing to um, allow people to drive on the public roadways without professional training (laughs) structure. Um, When I think about pilots, for example, we were interviewed uh, when I worked at a major motor carrier, we were interviewed by the FMCSA uh, and we were asked uh, straight up, you know, do drivers need professional driver training? And and I remember my colleagues and I looking at at each other at that meeting thinking, well, of course they do, <laughs> because uh, they work in a high-risk uh, operation. They're, they're driving collectively millions of miles with the motoring public, and um, uh, they don't have there, – there are no national standards for curriculum for training entry-level or experienced drivers – and yet, when you look at a parallel industry in transportation like commercial aviation, for example, no one would ever get on a plane if they knew the pilots were not trained. I certainly wouldn't. Receive, you know, 
No, I wouldn't either. If they were not trained in mi- minimal standards or trained on um, not just minimal standards, but on high-risk procedures through via simulation, I don't know that I would ever get on the plane if I knew that they did not receive that training. But they do receive that training because the FAA is very attendant to that. And they learned, unfortunately, through in the past, through some severe accident situations, they they learned kind of the hard way. Mm-hmm. It's astonishing to me that this industry has allowed drivers to accumulate millions of miles on public roadways and not have a professional curriculum. It's it's really le- ultimately left to the motor carriers that employ professional drivers. So if they're for working for a for hire fleet or a private fleet, it's really up to those carriers to fill the gap. And so that's where the concern is, is uh, certainly forward leaning companies or loss prevention minded companies are going to do the right things in terms of training drivers or at least we hope they do, because uh, they have skin in the game, if you will. Okay, so let's talk about making not just good truck drivers, but better truck drivers. When you graduate from a driving school, even today, and I'm sure there are some schools out there that do a really good job with their uh, with their candidates, once they get into the, they, they get their CDL and they're out there in the real world, they lack one main thing, and that's experience. Mm-hmm. How do we How do we take that driver... Or who's responsible, I guess, for the training uh, of the driver once they have the CDL to make them into a, a steering wheel holder or turn them from a steering wheel holder into a you know professional, safe, and conscientious driver? There's obviously some more work to be done. Sure. So it's a shared responsibility. It isn't just on the motor carrier that employs that driver or private fleet that does. It's on, on the driver themselves. And... Um, and training is great for skills and knowledge, but for behavior issues, there's often other tools that are used to help incentivize a driver or help modify their behavior so they're performing better. But nowadays, there's so many tools in place in terms of in-cab videos and safety instrumentation on trucks to help fleets understand the drivers that are having issues with performance, whether it's safety performance or productivity like fuel management. And so um, they have more data and more tools available to identify the drivers that need some coaching and um, performance improvement or incentives to help them improve their performance. And so um, that's really what is required. And fortunately, there's there's tools now that are available uh, across the industry that help carriers identify the drivers that really need coaching for performance improvement um, versus drivers that are doing just fine, that are meeting acceptable goals and uh, performing from a safety and productivity perspective just just fine. But uh, apart from the data and the tools available to identify the drivers, I would like to point out that uh, in some cases, some of the skills lacking are not necessarily drivers, but the fleet managers. So some drivers leave organizations because they're not managed well or they don't like their boss. Well, I think any fleet that hired a driver, a, a relatively new driver, 
took them on without some level of oversight, some coaching, some uh, encouragement along the way would be doing that driver a huge disservice and ultimately themselves for all the reasons you just mentioned. If the driver doesn't feel like they're growing at a particular company and learning and improving their skills, they're going to walk out the door and, tra- and, and head somewhere else that uh, they can get that sure. sort of stimulation. Sure. I mean, the, the motivation possibly to leave is more aligned with the pay and benefits that a driver receives and, that's, and time at home. Those are the, the key issues for drivers in terms of switching companies or leaving the career altogether. And that's been known by the industry for some time. Yeah. But if the industry wants to retain good drivers, they do need to attend to not only pay and benefits, uh, but they need to attend to driver treatment and helping drivers, uh, coaching them for better performance and uh, coaching them towards greater job satisfaction in terms of being able to do their job and rewarding drivers for doing a good job. Laura, fantastic. That's a great bit of insight there, and I sure appreciate you sharing it with us here on uh, HDT Talks Trucking. Okay, great. Thank you for your time. Laura McMillan is the Vice President of Training Program Development at Instructional Technologies Incorporated. HTT Talks Trucking was brought to you by Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange, an intimate fleet networking event that takes place May 6th, 7th and 8th in Scottsdale, Arizona. Go to heavydutytruckingexchange.com to hear what past attendees took home from the event and to apply to be our guest at HTTX 2020. HTT Talks Trucking is produced by Deb Lockridge, recording and audio production by Jim Park. Heavy Duty Trucking Magazine, the Fleet Business Authority, is published by Bobbitt Business Media. Leave a web browser window open on your computer to truckinginfo.com for up-to-the-minute news, as well as feature articles, videos, photo galleries, white papers, and our ever-popular editor blogs. You can leave questions or comments on the HTT Talks Trucking homepage. That's truckinginfo.com slash podcasts. And don't forget to visit Apple Podcasts and give us a review and a rating. That helps others to find us. Thanks to my guests, Laura McMillan, Don LaFave, and Tim Cordula. And of course, to our sponsor, Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange. I'm Jim Park. Thanks for listening.